Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master, Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Welcome to Window on the West, where we explore all the ages of Tolkien's Middle-earth. With your hosts, Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine, and Dan Coates. Welcome to Window on the West. My name is Jonathan Watson. I'm here along with Michael Grumbine and Dan Coates as we explore Tolkien and Middle-earth. Uh, and today in this little addendum podcast, we're going to be talking about Amazon's The Rings of Power, Amazon Prime TV show, uh, coming up September 2nd of this year, 2022. Um, we want to take a look at the trailer a little bit, what our thoughts are, what we take away from it, what we wish we were taking away from it, what we wish we weren't taking away from it, and uh, and also what we learned about uh, the showrunners and their thoughts of the, 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 the show based on this Vanity Fair article that came out. Um, so we're not going to go shot by shot into this. I just thought maybe we could talk about some of those big things uh, that we saw in the teaser trailer. And maybe first of all, we start with, uh, you know, you see those big guys with those antlers, like elk antlers, but then the next shot, I think it, it starts out with the hobbits, right? Or the Harfoots. And so what it seems like to me is they're, they're making those characters, I don't know, the every man that we're going to start witnessing it through their eyes and what's going on through their eyes, um, which, which leads me to the quote that, that they had in, in, the, uh, in the Vanity Fair article where they said, but really, does it feel like Middle Earth if you don't have hobbits or something like hobbits in it? To which I say, yes, it can feel like Middle Earth without hobbits, right? That's the whole Silmarillion. There are no hobbits in it, and it's all Middle Earth. Um, so I don't know. That's that's my take on it. What do you guys think about having hobbits in the Rings of Power trailer? Uh, moving forward, I, so I understand why they did it. I, you know, in other words, hobbits have that everyman appeal that, that, and they are part of Tolkien's world. Um, what, the fact that they're doing it, we'll have to see where they put it. If they're putting it as uh, um, something that happened at the same time as the rest of the season, uh, as the rest of the um, uh, show, which I think they are, then mm -hmm. they're obviously way off base hobbits as far as we know only came about less than a thousand years before the, t the tale of the Lord of the Rings. So, or at least as a distinct people, but maybe these are supposed to be proto hobbits of some type, but whatever. I understand why they're doing it cinematically. I think that, that, that criticism, I'm, I'm with you, Dan. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I'm with Dan actually, cause he hasn't spoken yet, <laughs> but I am with, Jonathan. I am with Jonathan that, uh, that it, it, it does seem forced and it seems more of a, um, reliance upon the success of the hobbits in as portrayed in the Lord of the Rings films, and and, and you know maybe the book The Hobbit, etc. They are they are central characters, so I get it, but it doesn't need to be that way. They've, yeah. cho they've chosen to go the easy route. Yeah, yeah, Dan, you don't really know much about the Lord of the Rings or the or the Silmarillion yet. I don't, I <laughs> so. don't know anything about the Silmarillion. So really, my opinion yeah. on on this trailer really is of no importance. Um, <laughs> Because I could just look at all the pretty well, cinematic cinematic shots and go, "Ooh, that's that's nice." Well, so so coming from saying, you know, you, we found out you watched the Lord of the Rings a bunch before even reading the books. Did it? Sure. Did it feel like the Lord of the Rings to you? I mean, it's such a short short trailer; it's a minute long. To yeah, to we're talking about the teaser trailer, right? The, the one teaser minute trailer. trailer. Yeah, the one minute one with like bang, bang, bang clips. Yeah, I just I just really couldn't get any kind of impression. I I. I it just didn't really tell me anything like yeah. you see, you see kind of like some, some sweeping shots, you see some, some characters they're going to bring in, but beyond that, it's not really, I don't know. There's nothing substantial for me to really 
And this is coming from someone who doesn't know Cimmerillion, so yeah. I wouldn't have any su- substantial critique anyway, but... Yeah, did did anything say like, oh, I know who that character was? Like, because you know now who Galadriel is in that trailer. Did you look at that and go like, oh, that's Galadriel? No, I... Yeah, okay. <laughs> just kind of had a blank stare. Like, what am I watching? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Huh. huh. So what, what is there anything else that Michael had said out to you in the trailer? Uh, that, oh, it, yeah. Either so, good or bad? Well... So we're going through the trailer. There's a, there's a few questions that you know came to my mind, which is how much are they going to um, try to fit? I mean, this is to me anyway. This is the overarching question when it comes to a show like this. How much are you going to when you create a Lord of the Rings movie or, or TV show? How much are you going to try to adhere to the vision of the writer, and how much are you going to try to write your own story in in that writer's world? And if you are, and what, what the, the impression I'm getting and that they're creating anyway from the trailer is that they're going to do the latter of those two. They're going to try to make their own story the way they like it within the world of Tolkien, not try to stay true to Tolkien's world. And so um, that that to me is is a disservice to the author, especially a great author. If it's if if you're making a show based on a, a lesser author's work, then um, maybe you can justify it, but with Tolkien, I don't think you can, at least for, for my preference. But I'm a Tolkien purist, so that's, yeah, that's my yeah, personal. Well, certainly I am too. And that, that the the line that was used in the uh, the Vanity Fair article that uh, the showrunner, I sorry, I don't know which one it was, but he said, uh, "Can we come up with the novel Tolkien never wrote and do it as the mega event series that could only happen now?" Like, no, and, no, you cannot come up with a to- novel Tolkien never wrote. Just the it's, the arrogance and oh that, my gosh, just the, yep. The hubris. Yep. Yep. And and with the underlying, the subtext there, in my mind, when I when I hear something like that, when I read that, was, we because we can make it better. That's the subtext. Yeah, it feels and, like it, doesn't it? And, it, I mean, that's, this is the whole, so, so um, there was famous, you know, we, we can't do a review of this trailer without at least mentioning the, the backlash or pseudo backlash or whatever about some of the, some of the um, differences that they chose. Um, so number one, which was a smaller one, Galadriel is, um, armored and, um, in an action role in this, in this, uh, series. Yeah. The way they put it is she's a commander of armies of the Northern armies. She's the commander of the Northern armies. So, right. So we're going to have a lot to say about that when we get to the, what Tolkien said was the, who the, he said was the commander of the Northern armies. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> it wasn't Galadriel. <laughs> So again, yeah. you're, there, there's there's an attempt here to just shoehorn in a character. I don't know if that's because um, of the. Uh, I mean, they, they, in that fair article, they even make a reference to the male centric um, nature of Lord of the Rings, as they call it. So maybe mm-hmm. this is a, a, a way to, to push back against that a little bit. Maybe not. Maybe it's just because Galadriel's a, a character who happens to exist both in the Silmarillion and Lord of the Rings. So again, like hobbits, they're trying to give us an anchor to to connect to. But doesn't it also speak to the, the idea that the only strong woman is a woman in armor nowadays? And like, like you have to have the, the, the butt kicking, you know, uh, Scarlet Witch and like, and, and that's, that's all it is. It's like, and you got to beat the big, strong male to be a strong female. And I find right. that one really short-sighted and, and two kind of insulting to women. It's like, you don't have to be, to be strong. It doesn't mean you're wearing armor and commanding armies. It's insulting. It's unrealistic. Um, 
And, and I mean, there definitely were elven women who could be warriors, but that doesn't mean that there, there's only the one dimensional, as you were mentioning, Jonathan, the one dimensional way to do that. And, and uh, it, yeah, it is, it is rather insulting and, and uh, one track. So I've, I had the same impression there. Um, you know, the other, the other uh, big thing that came up was the fact that they cast, um, they had a, they have a Legolas lookalike, not a lookalike, but an act-alike anyway. So they have the one shot where, an arrow is being fired at him and he catches it in slow motion and then and then pulls it into his bow and fires it back. Clear fan service to the Legolas Lord of Physics, as I call him, which is <laughs> the, uh, the character from the the um, the Mo- Jackson movies. Yeah. And so so you know everyone was uh, all the all the little children were geeking out back in those with those movies, and so we have to have another Legolas because that's what. Else. But was... he's he's being cast. Um, he the character that's the I'm sorry the actor that's playing him is uh i think he's of um asian or middle asian descent and um darker skin and then they do the same thing with a dwarven woman um as well and a dwarven princess and we're we're supposed you know it it, this is where the backlash was created so i don't know what you guys think about that yeah she had no beard (laughs) come on well you know the big struggle was is people were like well that's because it's the first time a dwarven woman was seen in any films and people pointed out well no actually there were dwarven women and actually peter jackson's hobbit and they all had sideburns in fact they were kind of longer sideburns they didn't have like the full you know soul patch or anything like that but they had sideburns but yeah no it's the idea that um in order to identify with somebody on that you're watching you have to be of that race right like the only the only way that they can bring this kind of a story uh to everybody is to make it diverse uh racially uh is sort of silly to me like i can i certainly identify with plenty of people who aren't my skin color or aren't even my sex and still enjoy the kinds of things that are out there because that's the story that was where that's that's the idea that was put out there um by this so-called uh, Lord of the Rings Tolkien scholar uh, in the article in Vanity Fair, Mariana Rios Maldonado, who said, obviously there is going to be push and backlash, but the question is from whom? Who are these people that feel so threatened or disgusted by the idea that an elf is black or Latino or Asian? And it's sort of like they were they were trying to set the tone before anybody even had any backlash, right? There wasn't really much of a backlash. And this goes to the whole story. Like there, there is uh, an entire side of Tolkien fandom that I'm well acquainted with that tries to always make, uh, tries to create a story that there was a huge backlash against Ian McKellen playing Gandalf in uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings because he was gay, right? And that, that, was, that was an affront to Tolkien's... Uh, Catholicism or, and I'm, I, I was deep in this world uh, and I was deep in this world at the, when this was happening. And I always push back against this because there was, they're always, you know, they're always really, uh, there's the crowd of people who want to make a big deal out of little things and they'll be the loudest people. And it might be like in this situation, it could have been like a dozen total people on the entire internet going everywhere and doing everything. But there was no conversation about whether, Ian McKellen could play Gandalf well. I think most people were very happy when they saw what he looked like. It was like, man, this is Gandalf. He did a really good job in portraying Gandalf and nobody cared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the same way here, they're all of a sudden going to say like, okay, oh no, now everybody's going to be, they're, you're racist or, you know, in the way back there, you were homophobes, but now you're saying you're racist because you're against having a black elf or a black dwarf or anything else. And I think the point is, 
this was not written to be a multicultural story for a 21st century world. This was written to be a, uh, a legend, one that Tolkien wrote, but also based out of his love of languages, which were all very much Northern European, Norse-ish languages, right? That were all coming from that area. And so when he wrote that, um, he wrote it with that area in mind. And I think to me as a purist to change the entire story by saying, oh, no, 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 we've got people from all over the world now uh, doesn't one, it doesn't really make any sense, right? If they were going to say one particular race, like the Haradrim or something like that, we're going to make them a certain race because that makes sense in the earth. But to have random black elves or uh, Asian dwarves or uh, Hispanic hobbits, it just feels kind of weird. Like if you were to do it in an intelligent way, it could work better. But I don't see that working when it's just sort of this random injection of diversity. Right, exactly. So two points from my mind. One, to agree with you, it feels forced. And whenever you're telling a story and you're just forcing themes in that you like, you have to understand that that isn't making the story better. And number two, Tolkien wrote an epic based upon Northern European, the Northern European peoples. Mm -hmm. And in his epic, he has groups of peoples of all sorts across Middle Earth. Some of them are groups of men with even darker skin, and he mentions those. My problem is... The elves, as mentioned in Tolkien, and he mentions them extremely extensively in the Silmarillion, whenever they're described, as far as skin tone, are all fair-skinned. They're all lighter-skinned. Mm -hmm. That's That was his choice. But what about the dark elf ale? Oh, don't... Yeah. <laughs> yes, what about him? We'll, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get to there. As, might be, as, might as, be you know, as you know, the word dark is not used about his skin tone. No. So, so there's a... There's a, um, this is, this is simply 21st century moralizing, um, forced into the world. Again, to go, go back to my very first point, are you writing a story trying to respect the author's vision or are you trying to use an author's world and just tell a story that you like? Yeah. Mm. But that's, isn't that, that's what it feels like they're doing. Right. And in your, you know, in your schooling, uh, I, I have a literature degree, um, and, uh, it was, you know, it was 20 years ago, but the idea that we could read ourselves into the stories, into whatever, whatever it is that was in front of us was far more important than taking out of the stories, what the author had put into it. And I think we're starting to see that in these kinds of now it's, it's getting into these situations. I remember a particular case, and I, I don't know if this is going too far afield, but uh, we were reading a, a poem by Robert Frost, Out, Out, I think it was called, where it's a story of a kid using a chainsaw. Uh, however long ago that, however long ago that was, it it uh, you know it uh, pops off the wood, hits his arm, nearly cuts his arm off. The kid bleeds to death, and uh, is you know is is mourned. And then the family realizes in the harshness of life, they have to move on with the rest of life, and the, you know and, and they move on. Uh, and so I remember talking about like, oh maybe it's about uh, child labor laws and um, um, uh, child abuse or other things like that, right? And then I just, without knowing anything about the story, I said, well, maybe it's about a family that he knew who lost a child due in this way. And it hurt him so much, he felt like he had to like somehow react to it. And this was his reaction to it. And the professor actually said, well, that's what happened. I'm like, but how do we not start with what the author intended first? That's my takeaway of like how we're, we're getting to these places with these kinds of entertainment uh, sources now. Well, that kind of gets into a broader uh uh, cultural uh, aspect to this is that we, we kind of live in this postmodern culture, postmodern society where truth is just whatever, whatever you feel on the inside 
Yeah. And I feel like it's, this, this is just part of that. It's the death of the author you know, the, the, that Tolkien's gone and now we can make it whatever we want. We can we make can it ours. Project ourselves, and, project ourselves onto it instead yeah. of, as Jonathan was saying, try to figure out what the author is trying to say and respect right. that. And you yeah. can have an, you can have an opinion about that. You can say to yourself, like if I was like, you know, if I was of a different bent of mind, for example, maybe politically or something, I could read Tolkien and be, you know, he should have written in some dark skinned elves because whatever reasons I have for thinking that blah, yeah. blah, blah. But he didn't. And if you're just going to project onto somebody else's work, um, it's not a worthy endeavor in my mind. Yeah. And I think what it does is it, it people like Tolkien and like Lord of the Rings and like the lore because it's a place that's familiar. It's like it, it, it hmm. has it has all the hallmarks or all the feelings of this is an actual place where actual people live. And when you make it, when you force in all of this artificial diversity, you remove all the familiarity out of out of that being an actual place. And now it's just a general fantasy. It's like a D&D campaign. Now it's like, oh, someone generated a character and now they're, they're coming in and all right, now this person's a dragon, right. whatever, you know, like it's, you, you kind of lose all you lose of the foundation. The, yeah. Like Tol- Tolkien's all about writing big, long genealogies and, and, ha- and having like the, the line of Kings going back like 16 generations and it, to just, just, just throw that all up in the air and be like, oh, it can be whatever we want. It, it's just, you, you, I think you immediately, you immediately kind of lose me. I was reading one of his letters. It's at the beginning of the second edition of the Silmarillion this morning, um, where he was talking about how the language is so important and the language means so much. And I think even in this, uh, in what we learned of this show is they're creating names that don't have any bearing on anything Tolkien ever wrote. And they don't really mean anything. I'm, I'm trying to think of the, oh, the new love interest. We haven't gotten to that point. There's a new forbidden love interest again, because you can't have a forbidden, or you can't have a, a, a show in Middle Earth without an elf and a human uh, falling into a forbidden love. Better do, better than do. an elf and a dwarf in the whole oh, movies. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh, those, those, those are the movies not to be spoken of. Though one day it would be fun to go over those. Hmm. But fun. I hope you mean including lots of bourbon. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can get the guys from Rift Tracks to help us out with that or something. It's uh, it's uh, Aaron Aaron Deer, whatever the dwarf, dwarf elf's name is, his love interest. But it was uh, it's not a name that that anybody could determine was actually from Tolkien's book. And maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, I'm not a scholar. But uh, in my research and in, in my interactions, I couldn't find anything. It's very clear that they're they're going to be creating new characters. And actually, on on the surface of that, I don't mind that. I like you know, Silmarillion is a big world and. And you know, it's a big, big span, and they're 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 doing a story over lots of years, many years, and so there's going to be um, they're compressing it down, but there's going to be characters that Tolkien didn't write about, and I don't think Tolkien would have a problem with that. But like you said, make sure it's grounded in his world, make sure it's grounded in his languages, make sure it's grounded in his vision, and if you don't like his vision, write your own story. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I will say, I really hope I like it. I mean, I do. Yep. I don't. I don't want to dislike something just for the sake of disliking it. But I'm with you. But but I think setting my expectations to something where, based on what I'm reading and what I'm what I'm seeing, and how uh, how Amazon is interacting, uh, like I'm sure you guys saw the incredibly cringy 
fan videos that Amazon put out, which oh, yeah. I don't, I don't even know if those are online anymore, but maybe we can link those in the show notes too, but that where, where they have super fans and the only thing they're talking about, particularly the, they had different ones for different countries, but in the English one was diversity. That was like 90% of the conversation. And I don't think any super fans. And maybe Sauron is hot. <laughs> Sauron is hot. <laughs> and the, que- the big question of the day was why'd they create the rings anyway? Like, have we read how, anything how <laughs> to channel Inigo Montoya again? So you call yourself a super fan, exactly. huh? Yeah, you don't, exactly. you don't think that word means what you think it means. Yeah, right. Oh man. Okay. So to close, I, I think, you know, now we know that they've, they've brought, uh, they've compressed it down from the thousands of years to a point in time, they said, which is disappointing, but I can understand why they're doing some of that. And we've learned that they don't have the license to the Silmarillion. It's just the appendices right. To the Lord of the Rings. Did you know that? It's just the appendices. I miss it's that. not the Silmarillion. Yeah, this came out uh, in an article afterwards, I think. So it's been confirmed. Maybe it was in the story. In any case, it's easy to pass over. Wait a minute. It's wait, just wait, wait. the appendices. Are you telling me they spent a quarter of a billion dollars and they didn't even <laughs> get the rights to the Silmarillion? <laughs> maybe, maybe it was only 200 million. Maybe it was 250. <laughs> no, no, it was 250 by the end. Okay. It started at two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the appendices. Uh, wow. That is insane. Uh, let me see. Appendices. Amazon show, which debuts on Prime Video on September 2nd, is based not on Tolkien all per se, but on the vast backstory he laid out in the appendices to The Lord of the Rings. So with that said, right, I guess they're limited by what they can do. But what does that mean that they are? They have uh, more ability to, you know, travel outside, color outside the lines of what Tolkien wrote because the appendices are so much even thinner than the Silmarillion is? That said, though, Michael, if there's one story that you could see from the Silmarillion made into a a, a, a series of some sort, with, where they took its time and they respected the lore and they, you know, respected the foundation that was built on, is there anything that you would like to see? I know, Dan, this question for you is probably <laughs> you haven't read it yet, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, so I appreciate you springing that question on me. That's great. And the answer is yes. I, I in <laughs> fact, would love to see if, if by a company that respected the lore and wanted to actually create it, I would love to see the lay of Baron and Luthien. Mm. I would love to mm. see that story, um, which I believe is in a way central because it includes, it ties in so many elements between the first age and the second age um, and all of the, well, the whole story of the, is kind of in a way con- concentrated into in the whole story of the Silmarils on which the book is named yeah. is concentrated in that one. So I would love to see a series that did just that. And yeah. you could do a math, you could do a multi-season series on just that. Um, you could. Because you'd have to fill it in. But the question is, how are you filling it in? I have no problem filling it in. You know, one of those, one of the things like when my family and I, we, we debate, you know, about the movies, when the movies first came out and I watched them, I, I came out of the theater, like ticking off on my fingers, all the ways that they had changed um, because that's the kind of nerd that I am. But there's, but now years later, I do, I appreciate the movies. I, I have the extended edition and we watch them occasionally as a family. Um, and, and I just, you know, so there, there are scenes that are totally added. Like I love the scene with Boromir teaching the hobbits how to use swords yeah. Um, on the that I think that well, that fits really well with the story. You know, there are lots of little scenes where they were not in the books, and I think, but I think we're in the spirit of the books, and that's the that's the real question: Are you trying to honor the spirit and the world that the author created, or are you trying to shoehorn in your own your own crap 
sorry right. you have to edit that out into into it yeah it depends on where you're speaking first from right are you speaking first from what the author wrote and what the author has set set about or are you speaking first from your own worldview and trying to inject that into the story correct and that tells that tells the whole the whole story of what we need to know about how you're approaching it and if that's that's what it seems like Amazon is doing. I hope that, you know, maybe it's just a strident journalist who's looking to uh, uh, even inject themselves into the story more. Who knows? But uh, I, I hope that's not what they're doing. Uh, for me, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. You're going to say something. Oh, I, all I was going to say is the one question in my mind, Jonathan, is the quote that you gave about what the story is about. You said it was from the appendices. Mm-hmm. Is that a quote about the license itself or is that a quote about the content? Because what the people might be trying to do there is reference something which people that have just read Lord of the Rings can tie back to and say, this is what happened back in the second age. Uh, it was, it is confirmed that it is just the license for the appendices, not the holy not the, mackerel. Not the quarter of a billion doesn't get you what it used to. It. <laughs> no. And this is that, didn't they say it's a five, five, se- five season 10, 50 shows, essentially 50 hours is what they're calling it. Yep. So we'll see. We'll see how they do. I would like to see um, <clears throat> the children of Hurin. I know that's like a pretty rough. Uh, that's very rough. Pretty rough. But man, there's some high highs and there's some low lows in there. And I, I just so many good good characters with Meme the Dwarf and uh, Beleg Strongbow. Like these characters who just are sort of iconic Silmarillion characters to me. I, I love that story. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's pretty rough. Well, when you go through a Dan, it's pretty rough. But I, I really like it so. I'd love to see that sometime. So, Dan, which um, what part of the Silmarillion would you like to see? <laughs> you know, I'd have to agree with Michael on the Baron and Luthien, because um, I know that that is referenced several times in the Lord of the Rings, and it does seem to me to be a very central mythological echo that they always hearken back to. And I think if you look at Tolkien's grave, him and his wife are buried next to each other. Doesn't it say Baron and Luthien? Yes, it does. So yeah. I, I, I'd have to go with that. I think that's the one to go with. And you'd have to do, you'd have to do it right. I just Amazon could have they, they could have fifteen years of seasons about the, the, the stuff that's in the Silver Rolling, but apparently they don't have the rights to that. So never yeah. Mind. In the end, I guess I'm kind of happy about because maybe we'll see something else down the road. We'll see. We'll see. I feel like we, we need somebody who's a little less. Uh, corporate and a little more risky like they're willing to take the risk of being what Tolkien actually wrote which is kind of odd now that we have to see isn't that strange isn't that strange that's the that's the risk yeah yeah I don't know I don't know something like uh you know the Babylon Bee (laughs) there you go I just want my dwarf women to have beards Beards. that's all I care about just the beard yeah yeah and elves sliding downstairs on yeah, shields. I, I need I need Legolas surfing. walking on snow and shield surfing <laughs> down stairs. Walking and... on snow. One, look, walking on snow is fine. <laughs> <laughs> this goes back this, to another conversation the, we had. This goes back to the B reads. I know, I know. Yeah. I, I'm I'm deliberately yeah. fishing here. <laughs> but but the shield surfing, and then by the time you get to the Hobbit movies where he's running up falling pieces of stone in the air. That's where oh, I, that's, yeah, well, that's where I that's, came up with the I think that's, whenever, that's my I think favorite scene. We have to set a rule for the podcast. Whenever we descend <laughs> into references for The Hobbit, particularly the last movie, that's when the time is to cut this thing off because there's nowhere lower <laughs> to go. So, that's, anyway, that's so yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, and we'll see you next time. We're going to be doing uh, Aina Lindale 
right? Am I saying that right? That's that, that's the I way that I know, the, uh, which is I the music know. of the Ainur, the creation story of uh, the universe uh, by Tolkien in the Silmarillion. So go ahead and read that from this and uh, still pick this up if you want to for the Atlas of Middle-earth. Uh, it's a great way of getting familiar with with uh, everything and the craziness of, of where people are and following them around the tracks of Middle-earth and uh, understanding how uh, Tolkien envisioned everything. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on uh, Window on the West. Bye, all. See ya. Michael, Dan, and Jonathan want to thank you, the listener, for joining us. Visit us at theonering.com, your source for everything Tolkien, where you can comment on this episode and join the conversation. This is Austin Robertson bidding you farewell. May the wind under your wings bear you where the sun sails and the moon walks.